Second telling of the nomos. Deuteronomos.
Right, and he said the idea seemed good to him. So we go through a lot of that. Yeah. Because what, as Moses goes through there and talks, he talks about the events that have happened, and we read what Moses wrote about it, and then we can go back and look at what it says in Numbers or whatever. So yeah, that's that's a useful thing to do. Because they do, sometimes they seem like they're a part of it. No, they're not. They're kind of... It's kind of like a different story. Well, and it kind of shows that Moses is a human. Well, sure. You know, that he's... Well, you know, they often say they take four people and show them the same event. They get four different versions. That's often... I remember the first time, it's the same thing, you know? And it was a surprise to me to find out that all four of those things are the same thing. So I spent quite a while asking myself, why is that? Why is that necessary? And of course, when you learn it and you talk about it and you think about it, each of them presents it from a different point of view. So there's a lesson to be learned in all of this, right? Anyway, uh, we talked about the the important characters here. He talked about how um, they traveled. they, They spent most of their 40 years wandering around the desert near Kadesh Barnea. Now, Kadesh Barnea is not shown on the map, but if it were to be shown on the map, it would be about a foot south of here. So it's the uh, it's today's border between Egypt and Israel. Okay, so it's way south, and they spent most of their time there. Okay, and then when God said, "Okay, you spent your forty years, let's go," who's the first people they ran into? Edom. Yep, Edom would have been the first ones. Because as they started east, Edom, Edom has the, the, the people that populated this side east of the Jordan River were the Ammonites. Now, who are the Ammonites? Just, you know, can anybody tell me where, where the Ammonites came from? They were the descendants of Ammon. Ammon was the son of uh, Lot by his second daughter. Okay, And south of the Ammonites was the Moabites. Where did the Moabites come from? The other daughter. They came from Moab, and that's not Utah, right? Moab, who was the son of Lot by his eldest daughter. And then south of the Moabites were the Edomites. Esauites, Edomites, right? And um, so they headed off toward the east, going up, to come up this way to go into the land that God had promised them. First group they came up to was Edom, and the Edomites. I thought they, I thought they ran into some some bad characters before they went into Esau. Well, the defeated um, them. The so Og or somebody like no, that. No, no, Og comes later. All right. Uh, the Edomites they they went across the land. And they sent word to the Edomites, we just want to cross your land, we won't mess it up, we'll pay you for the water and all this stuff. And they said, no, you can't, right? And God told them, um, don't fight with, with Edom, he's your brother. So don't be doing that. And he made them go around. So rather than go through Edom, they went south and around and came up this way, all right, if you will. So they went around the Edomites. The next people they come up to were the Moabites. And the Moabites led them through, if you will. The Moabites weren't very um, 
They weren't very powerful at the time because they'd just gotten the uh, snot beat out of them by the Amorites, which were also up in here. The Amorites, the Amorites are different. They, they weren't like a people group descended from someone. They were all, okay, I'll quit this in a minute. They were all united primarily by their worship of the god of Molech. And the god of Molech was probably one of the worst in terms of ones that God didn't like, our God didn't like, because Molech, um, yeah, he was, uh, he was in, Molech demanded the sacrifice of human children and babies. So God didn't like the Amorite. Anyway, so then we, so what we, uh, the reason I was saying all that is because uh, Moses is busy recounting this, this path that they'd taken. And we got up there, um, around the Edomites, and that's where we are in verse 24 of chapter 2. 24 of chapter 2. Um, would somebody like to read from verse 24 of chapter 2 to the end of chapter 2? Okay, Lisa will. So 24, huh? Rise up, rise up and cross Ammon Brook. See, into your hand I have delivered Sihon, king of Heshbon, and the, the Amorite, and his land. Begin to drive him out and provoke war with him. Hmm. This day I shall begin to place dread and fear of you on the peoples under the entire heaven. When you hear... When you hear of your when they hear of your reputation, and they will tremble and be anxious before you, I sent messengers from the wilderness of Kedemot and the Sihon king to Sihon king of Heshbon, words of peace, saying, "Let me pass through your land. Only on the road shall I go. I shall not stray, right or left. You will set food for me. You will set." We will sell, you will sell food to me for money, and I shall eat. And you will give me water for many, and I shall drink. Only let me pass through on foot. As the children of the Vesav, who dwelt in Seir, Seir, did for me, and the Moabites, who dwell in Ar, that until I cross the Jordan to the land of that Hashem, your God, gives us. But Sihon king of, the he- of Heshbon, was not willing to let us pass through it. For, for Yehovah, our God, hardened his spirit and made his heart stubborn in order to give him, give him into your hand like this very day. Yehovah said to me, Speak, I have begun to deliver before you Sihon and his land. Begin to drive out to possess his land. Sihon went toward us and his entire people for battle to Yahaz. And Yehovah, our God, gave him before us. And we smote him and his sons and his entire people. We captured all his cities at, at that time. And we destroyed every populated city with the women and small children. We did not leave a survivor. Only the animals did we loot for ourselves and the booty of the cities we captured from Aroer, which is on the shore of the Almond Brook, 
and the city that is by the brook until Gilead. There is no city that is too strong for us. Yehovah, our God, gave us, gave everything before us. Only the land of the children of Ammon did, did you not draw near. Everywhere near Yabok Brook and the cities of the mountain, everywhere that Yehovah Eloheinu commanded us. Okay. Um, so when the Israelites, when the Israelites asked the Edomites, you know, to, uh, could they go through the land? What'd they tell them? No. No. You have to go around. When the uh, Israelites asked Sihon, the king of Heshbon, to pass through his land, what was his response? We attacked. Yeah, it was different. It was, it was not no, it was, I'm going to come beat you up. Right? He attacked them. Um, so, what happened? It didn't the end. Israelites prevailed. It didn't end right? well. Yeah, they did very well. Now, the, the area he's talking about, he talked about the Arnon River. Here's the Arnon River right here. Uh, and that's the, the southern border of the, uh, the Amorites at this time. The Amorites were, like I say, Moab is down here. So Moab used to control this area too. But the uh, uh, Heshbon, I'm sorry, what is his name? Sihon. Um, had basically defeated the Moabites and, and was was in control of this area from the Arnon River all the way up to the Jabbok River, which is up here. So they had all of this area here. And the Israelites cleaned their clock. Done. So i got to imagine the land, what it was like back then, is a lot different than what it is now. Well, in terms of uh, vegetation and that stuff. Exactly. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it was. Although it's not particularly deserty, you know, the when you're when you're down in the bottom here, when you're you know you go down below sea level, it's it's pretty forbidding looking. But you don't have to. I mean, this is quite a hill up here, and when you get up on this plateau, it's not. I wouldn't call it lush and green, but it's not not bad, you know. And they can they can grow stuff, so it's not horrible. Anyway, what how? Um, when the Israelites defeated the uh, uh, Sihon and his Amorites, how did they do? What did they do? Yeah. They, took, they killed everyone except for the animals. Yep, they killed the everybody. And I mean everyone. Everybody. Yeah, they killed everybody. Now, a lot of people have a problem with this, right? So I thought we might talk about that a while. Um I, but before we talk about that, I wanted to point out something. These animals, well, I'll just take you there. Go back to Genesis chapter 15. Now, Genesis chapter 15 ought to kind of be in your memory banks, as this is the one where God made the covenant with Abraham, you know, where Abraham killed the animals and spread their pieces out, and it got dark, and Abraham went to sleep, and and the, the smoking pot and the, the torch passed through the pieces. And this is what God said to Abraham. Um, let's start in verse 12 of chapter 15. It says, 
As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Then Yahweh said to him, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated 400 years. Now, what is he talking about there? Egypt. It's the time that the Israelites spent in Egypt. But I will punish the nation that serves as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. You remember how the uh, whenever Pharaoh finally told them to go, they took gold and silver and all this kind of stuff? You, however, will go to your fathers in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. Now, that's the same Amorites that we're reading about. And the fourth generation is these people. You know, it's Moses and Moses, probably third generation maybe, and this is the fourth generation that's getting ready to go do that. So I maintain that these are the people that God was talking about in this verse, these Amorites. And what he said was, he said, um, it's not going to happen to you, Abram. You're going to die, and so be it. But in the fourth generation, uh, this is going to happen. For the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. What do you think about what does it mean, the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure? Yeah. I think God lets people just get... It says in, even in Psalm 92 that he lets people get just worse and worse until... Mm-hmm. Because... He's he's still is merciful, you know, but he's letting people just get worse and worse and go their own way mm-hmm. until they're fully mm-hmm. disgusting, I guess. Yeah. Well, another way or, to put it know. is he like you say, God being loving, he gives every person and group of people every opportunity, every possible opportunity to repent and go the right way. But he, God being God, he knows when, when it's, it's no longer possible, when it's no longer possible. And that's, that's what I get out of that, too. Whenever he says the sin of the Amorites is not yet complete, what he's basically saying is they need a couple hundred more years uh, as an opportunity to turn this thing around, even though God being God, he knew they weren't going to, right? But that, he had to give them that opportunity because everybody deserves that kind of opportunity from his perspective. Yeah. So a couple thoughts. Uh, I, I will pass the sin on to the children, to the third and the fourth generation. Well, the third, it's also the third and the fourth generation of the Amorites. Okay. Good point. So oh, they have an opportunity now. Do you want to make peace with Yahweh? No, we're going to go to peace with Israel, who represents Yahweh. We're That's go not going to war. end well. Yeah, we're going to go to war. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yep. So they, they, they absolutely would want to make peace with God. Yeah. We want to go to war with him, yeah. with his agents, Israel. Mm-hmm. So I, although it takes a little bit to get your mind around, I, I, I would, how can I put it? I think I understand why you know, God destroyed the whole entire bunch of them. It's because they're, they're, they were irredeemable. He restored everybody on the earth except for eight of us. Yeah, that's a good point. He destroyed. That's a good point. He destroyed everybody on the earth. And he destroys. He you look at what he says about. I think in the Moses, in Deuteronomy, it talks about the what's going to happen to your children, to the children of Israel. Oh yeah, you're going to consume them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. 
But anyway, I, I, I think that's important. And the other thing this brings up is it brings up that if you look through history, God uses one people group as an instrument of judgment on another. He does that over and over and over again. Now, he used the Israelites as his instrument of judgment on the Amorites. Later on, he uses the Assyrians as his instruments of judgment on the Israelites. And, you know, and one after the other, after the other, and it just goes on. The thing that's interesting about this, aside from the fact that you can see a logic in the whole thing, is that it really does show that God has been in control from the beginning. And there's nothing that's going on here that's surprising him. Well, yeah, I look around sometimes at what's going on in, in our society, and I think, oh, man. <laughs> but God knows. And, you know, whenever it said back in Genesis 6 in uh, Noah's time, he says, uh, the thoughts of men were continuously evil all the time. Uh, we're not there yet. Some ways we're getting close, but we're not there yet. Yeah. So the bottom line is, as you talked about, that Israel is the judge, the judge or and the judgee, if you will. <laughs> the the bottom line is you need to be in covenant with Yahweh. You want to make sure you're in you have a covenant of peace with Yahweh. That's the first thing you need to get right. Yep. Yep. You need <laughs> yeah, you need to know Start which, from there. Know which team you're on and know what it means to be on the team. Right. Yep, that's for sure. Okay, let's go on to chapter three. Um now, this was Sihon, the king of Heshbon. Heshbon's actually on the map right here. Okay. So now then we go to chapter 3 and talk about King Og, king of Bashan. So somebody want to read uh, chapter 3 from verse 1 through verse 11. Alfonso. Then we turned and went up the way to Bashan, and Og, sovereign of Bashan, came out against us, he and all his people, to battle at Edrei. And Yahuwah said to me, Do not fear him, for I have given him and all his people and his land into your hand, and you shall do to him as you did to Sihon, sovereign of the Amorites, who dwelt at Heshbon. So Yahuwah our Elohim also gave into our hands Og, sovereign of Bashan, with all his people, and we smote him until he had no survivors remaining. And we captured all his cities at that time. There was not a city which we did not take from them. Sixty cities, all the district of Argob, the reign of Og and Bashan, all these cities were fenced with high walls, gates, bars, besides a great many unwalled towns. And we put them under the ban, as we did to Sihon, sovereign of Heshbon, putting the men, the women, and the children of every city under the ban. But all the livestock and the spoil of the cities we took as booty for ourselves. And at that time, we took the land from the hand of the two sovereigns of the Amorites that was beyond the Yardim, from the Wadi Arnon to Mount Hermon. Sidonians called Hermon Sirion, and the Amorites called it Sinir. All the cities of the plain, all Gideon, all in all Bashan, as far as the Salka and Edrei cities of the reign of Og in Bashan, for only Og, sovereign of Bashan, was left of the remnant of the Rephaites 
See, his bedstead was an iron bedstead. Is it not in Rabah of the children of Ammon? Nine Ammah in its length and four Ammah its width, according to the Ammah of a man. Okay. Um, so, Og, king of Bashan, sounds similar to the story of Sihon, king of Heshbon, right? It's, they did the same thing. Now, um, let's see here. Edrai is right over here. Yep. So, um, the, the southern kingdom, the kingdom Sihon had, was around in here. And the king that, uh, or the kingdom that um, Og had was north of that. Um, both of them were Amorites. Okay? And you'll notice we have the Ammonites were over here. The Ammonites were a little bit east of these, these other guys. And they didn't, uh, you know, the Israelites didn't fight the Ammonites because they're related, right? These were not the, these were not the ones that uh, God... Um, how do I put it? That God needed destroyed, wanted destroyed, if you will. But it essentially says they did a similar thing. Now there's, um, it uses a different terminology. I thought I'd talk about it for a minute. Uh, verse 6, uh, it says, We, this is Moses talking about we, the Israelites, com- my version says, completely destroyed them as, the, as, as we had done to Sihon, the king of Heshbon, destroying every city, Men, women, and children. Okay? Now, yours, you said, under the ban. The Hebrew word there is karim. And when we, if you look back into Leviticus, you interrupted. Uh, under the ban. I don't know. Let's see. Where would it be? It'd be, it'd be verses 5 and 6. Haram? No, 6. Haram? 6. That the word you Karim, I think it's uh, the way I have it pronounced or is ch, which is hate, uh, harem, and it turns out that there are uh, another, there are two kinds of sacrifices that God demands in Leviticus. One of them is the um, the burnt offering, if you will, and the other one is the offering that's devoted. One's called Let's see, one's called devoted. This is the, the one's called dedicated, and one's called devoted, in some versions. But the point is, is the this one is the one that is to be destroyed for God. Okay, and if we go back, we can go back and talk about it. We we did when we were in Leviticus twenty-seven. You can go back and read about it. But the point is, is this God had commanded that these be offered to Him, much as. A murderer, a convicted murderer, is offered to him, which is indeed what they were, really. Well, because he, he demanded their destruction. Here it says he destroyed every populated city. The well, it said, wait, because mine says we destroyed them as we did to Sihon of Heshbon, destroyed every populated city, the women and small children. Is that what yours says? Mm-hmm. On, on well, that's exactly six? what mine says. Yeah. Okay. But this word destroyed. Right. See, his used the term under the bar, I think. Is that what yours used? Ban, under the ban. That's the term that we need to go investigate. Well, I'll uh, look it up. Okay, you do that. Hold on. No, you don't need to do it right now. You can look at it and tell okay. us what it means. That sounds fine. I just wanted to point out that this whole thing was um, God's command. It wasn't that the Israelites were doing this 
And as a matter of fact, we can, we can make a lot of different uh, discussions here. Do you remember the story of uh, Saul when uh, God told Saul to go and um, it was Agag, Agag and the Agagites or whoever they were, and God told Saul to destroy them and everything about everything they had. And he went out there and he destroyed a, a good bunch of stuff, but he says, well, you know, this stuff over here is pretty good and I'm not sure why we should get rid of these young women that we can use for slaves and and he didn't he didn't kill Agag either, by the way. And when Samuel heard about it, God told Samuel, go tell Saul that I'm taking the kingdom away from him because he didn't obey me. And it's a similar situation. God had said this people group needed to be destroyed. And Saul said, nah, maybe he wasn't really that serious about it. But here, here they did it right. I just wanted to point out that God does that sometimes. So Saul then was stealing from God, because that was God's. Ha! That's a good way to put it. Yep, that's a good way to put it. Okay, let's see, what else do we have here? You found it, all right. What'd you find? It does mean extermination, destruction, or extinction. It also, see, there's another word, harem, which can mean excommunication, but that's not, it's, this, this means destruction or extermination. Yep. yep. Like I say, we can go into more, theoretically, we should have discussed that in great detail back in Leviticus. But it's nice that the stuff fits together, right? It's Leviticus 27, if you want to go back and look at it. By the way, he talked about from, where was it? From, From the Arnon Gorge as far as Mount Hermon. So the Arnon Gorge, way the heck down here, and Mount Hermon is way up in the ceiling there. I mean, it's, uh, it's quite a bit north of the Sea of Galilee. Mount Hermon is uh, the mo- one of the most northern parts of Israel, and it's uh, a good, oh, I don't know, five, 8,000 foot kind of a mountain. So it's, it's everything on the, uh, the east side of the Jordan River. Well, evidently, that's what it says here. They, that land to the north is called Gilead. So Gilead is that land to the north. Okay, any other thoughts there? Moving along then, let's talk about, let's read the next few verses from verse 12 through verse 20. Okay, we'll read from 12 through 22. The reason she wants to read from 12 through 22 is because 22 is, is the end of the parashah. So we'll do that. You want to do it, John, or no? Hey, no one else does. 12 to 22. Mm-hmm. And this land which he possessed at the time from Aror, which is by the river Arnon, and half. Mount of Gilead and the cities thereof gave I unto the Reubenites and the Gadites and the rest of Gilead and all the Bashan 
being kingdom of Og, gave I unto the half-tribe of Manasseh all the region of Argob, which, with all Bashan, which was called the land of the giants. Yer, the son of Manasseh, took all the country of Argob unto the coast of Geshuri and Maachati, and called them after his own name, Bashan Havotar, Havoter, unto this day. And I gave Gilead unto Mahir, and unto the Reubenites, and unto the Gadites, I gave from Gilead, even unto the river Arnon, half the valley, and the border, uh, even unto the river Yabak, which is the border of the children of Ammon. Verse 17. The plain also, and Jordan, and the coast thereof, from Kenneret, even unto the sea of the plain, even the salt sea, under Ashdot Pisgah, eastward. And I commanded you at that time, saying, Yahweh your Elohim hath given you this land to possess it. Ye shall pass over armed before your brethren, the children of Israel, all that are meet for the war. M-E-E-T, for the war. But your wives and your little ones and your cattle, for I know that ye have much cattle, shall abide in your cities which I have given you. Verse 20. Until Yahweh hath given rest unto your brethren as well as unto you, and until they possess the land which Yahweh your Elohim hath given them beyond Jordan, and then shall you return every man unto his possession which I have given you. And I commanded Joshua at that time, saying, Thine eyes have seen all that Yahweh your Elohim hath done unto these two kings, so shall Yahweh do unto all the kingdoms whither thou passest. Ye shall not fear them, for Yahweh your Elohim shall fight for you. Okay. So, um, does anyone remember this story from Numbers? Does anybody, can someone describe it? Don, go ahead. Well, Reuben and Gad came up to Moses and said, you know, this is not too bad looking property over. We could do our good good with our cattle here. Mm -hmm. And Moses, well, he kind of flipped out. He was like (laughs) convinced they were going to just separate and not help out their brethren's end. So what he did... Well, they said, no, 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 we'll, we'll do what you want. But to ensure, he brought ha- he split Manasseh in half and put half of them with them. Okay. What, uh, that's pretty much what happened. It's um, uh, Reuben and Gad said, this land over here looks pretty good. We think we'd just like to take our inheritance right here. And like you say, Moses flipped out and says, hey, no, 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 we're all one team here. You don't get to do that. This is what those spies did. No, no. We all have to go across the Jordan River. And so the uh, Reubenites and the Gadites said, okay, fine, no problem. We intended to, or at least that's kind of the story, the way the story unfolded. Sure, we'll go over there with our brothers. We'll, we'll make sure and uh, do whatever we have to do to make sure that all the tribes of Israel get the land that, that's, that you intend for them. But when it's all over, we'd like to come back, and this would be our land. And in the meantime, our cattle and our women and children will stay here. And Moses said, okay, that's fine. Now, um, your version of what happened with half the tribe of Manasseh might be true. I'm not sure. The, the half, half the tribe of Manasseh somehow or another said, 
yeah, this does look like a pretty good deal. I think we'd like to stay here too. And so um, that's why it says Reuben, Gad, and a lot of times, I wish it wouldn't do this, it says the half-tribe of Manasseh. It's not the half-tribe, it's half the tribe of Manasseh. So that's the three groups, if you will, that stayed on the east side of the Jordan River. What's, what's the difference? That could be. What's the difference in the grammar? Well, to me, half-tribe is like half-brother. Okay? Oh. Uh, and and, and well, you could make that point. They kind of are. They're half Yeah, you, you could make that point because Manasseh is really not on the same level as Judah and all those others. Manasseh and Ephraim are Jacob's grandsons, but he adopted them as sons. Okay? And, and, and their grandmother is, is an Egyptian. Or their that, mother is an Egyptian. Their mother, yeah. So you could you could understand why they might be called half tribe, but that's not what they mean. What they mean is half the tribe, because the other half of Manasseh ended up on the west side of the Jordan. So it wasn't it wasn't because they're half brothers. It was because half of them stayed on one side and the other half went on the other side. So that's why I make a big deal about that. Um. So anyway. So what you end up with, and this map shows it, Reuben took land over here, Gad took land over here, all the way up to here, and Manasseh took land up there. So Gad had part of Gilead and part of uh, Moab. Manasseh had Gilead, and Reuben had part of Moab, the southern part of Moab so down here. of those three, Manasseh land would be the best, wouldn't it? Yes, Manasseh land is the best, and it was the biggest. However, I mean, right, that part, that half, in other words. Yep. Manasseh was the first to get nuked by the Assyrians. Gilead. Gilead is where the Golan Heights is, for example. So it's really nice land. Yeah, it's still a problem today, but it, yeah, it's good stuff up there. Okay. I'm Manasseh. That's where I'm going. Okay. <laughs> it's pretty. I like it. Um, let's see, anyway, so they agreed that uh, the the men of those uh, two and a half tribes agreed that, look, we'll, we'll go over as part of the Israelite army and we won't come back until everything's done. Then there's this little, little section that comes over there, verse 21 and 22. Um, what do you suppose it is? I'll just read them. Uh, it says, at that time I commanded Joshua, you have seen with your own eyes all that Yahweh your God has done for these two, to these two kings, that being Og and Bashan, um, Sihon, I'm sorry. Yahweh will do the same to all the kingdoms over there, the other side of the Jordan, where you're going. Do not be afraid of them. Yahweh yourself, Yahweh God himself will fight for you. So, what's the summary of that? What's that little statement? Don't I mean, fear. Yeah. Have He's basically fear. saying, see see what I did to these guys? He says, you're going to do the same thing to all the ones on the You're going to get sick side. of winning. It's going to be so great, you're going yeah. to get sick of winning. <laughs> yeah. It's over here. Manasseh ended up with a lot of territory, for whatever reason. Yeah, Judah, Judah was big too, though, and they ended up with a bunch of stuff down here. Anyway, 
Any, any other questions or thoughts about that? So that's the end of the parashah. The questions at the back were, uh, went into detail about, um, well, I'll just ask you this question because we've already kind of talked about it, so you ought to, this ought to be easy. And chapter 2 describes a common action that occurred in the history of the Edomites, the Ammonites, and the Moabites, as well as the Israelites and the Kaftarites. Kaftarites were people from Crete. Uh, what was this action, and does this give you any insight into the way God works in the history of man? I don't understand why you're and you're bringing into the picture of the Catharites. Uh, I'm just I, all they were just another example of God using one people group to bring judgment on another. Well, all the other ones, except for those two, were kinfolk of Israel, right? Ammon, yeah. And, okay. And Esau. The, the point was, yeah, yeah. But the point was, is the Edomites, God used right. I'm not God disputing used Esau that. to take care of the. They were called Horites at the time. Esau drove out and destroyed the Horites, and then Israelites drove out the um, the Amorites. I think I phrased that question a little bit wrong. Anyway, let's not talk about that. Enough said. So, you want to start another portion? We got time, plenty of time. Now, 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 Moses gets kind of emotional. Chapter four. Hmm. Well, we didn't we didn't finish all three yet. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. We didn't finish all three. We started in verse twenty-three. Who's going to read? So, who would like to read from verse twenty-three through twenty-nine? Twenty-three through the end of chapter three. It's short. <laughs> and I pleaded with Yahuwah at that time, saying, O Adonai, Yahuwah, you have begun to show your servant your greatness and your strong hand. For who is the mighty one in the Shamayim or on earth who does according to your works and according to your might? I pray, let me pass over and see the good land beyond the Yardin, this good hill country in Lebanon. But Yahuwah was enraged with me for your sake and would not listen to me. And Yahuwah said to me, enough of that. Speak no more to me about this matter. Go up to the top of Pisgah and lift up your eyes westward and northward and southward and eastward and look with your eyes. For you do not pass over this Yardin, but commanded Yehoshua and strengthen him and make him brave. For he shall pass over before this people and cause them to inherit the land which you see. And we dwelt in the valley opposite Beth Peor. Okay. So, this, we're going to talk about this again. <laughs> right? We're going to talk about this again. The, uh, so, uh, Moses is saying, at that time, you know, after we defeated uh, Sihon and Og, um, I pleaded. Now, we don't, really, we don't really have record of him pleading with God in Numbers. But it says here he did, right? He says, I pleaded with Yahweh, sovereign Yahweh. You have begun to show to your servant your greatness, your strong hand, for what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do the deeds and mighty works that you do. Let me go over and see the good land beyond the Jordan, that fine hill country and Lebanon. And what did God say? He says, 
enough. Quit this. <laughs> You're not going. I mean, it's kind of like he, he says, what part of no don't you understand? <laughs> he says he got angry. He says, because, but <laughs> I just love Moses. He says, look who he blames it on. But because of you, Yahweh was angry with me and would not listen to me. That's enough, Yahweh said. Do not speak to me anymore about this matter. Well, you could argue technically he's right. Because of what you did, I behaved badly. Yeah. That's less, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and put the glory of, on myself and not on the other. Yeah. That, that's exactly the way that has to be analyzed. Is he, didn't, that, he didn't put in all that part, though. No, he didn't put in all that part. I forgot about but that. you guys, because you guys were such a bunch of new news, I lost my temper and lost my opportunity to go across the Jordan. Well, an interesting thing that it says here, it says it is too much for you. It, it's, it Where does it say that? It says, but Yehovah was angry with me because of you, and he did not listen to me. Yehovah said to me, it is too much for you. See, that's not what mine Do says. Do not speak to me further about this matter. That's not what mine says. Well, now, I don't want to argue with you about yours is okay. right. Well, no, I'm just going to say what the Hebrew says. Well, the Hebrew doesn't say that. <laughs> yes, it does. How do you know? Because I read it in the Hebrew. I, I have the Hebrew in my Bible. But you know that that Hebrew means it is too much for you? Yeah, because I've looked it up before. Because I studied this when I did okay. the Haftarah. Okay. So anyway, he tells Moses to go at the top of Pisgah. Do you know where Pisgah is? Pisgah is another name for Mount Nebo. Did I get my thing here working? That's right in here somewhere. It's so it's so blurry I can't really read it. Yeah, it's somewhere right in here. Anyway, so it goes up on Mount Nebo. Oh, there it is, right there. See, I found it, Nebo, right there. And uh, there's a picture of it in the, in the front of the book, and he looks out, and he says, you can look at all of this stuff. In verse 28, he says, but you are to commission Joshua and encourage and strengthen him, for he will lead this people across and will cause them to inherit the land. You will see. You can look, but you can't touch. Yeah, you can look, but you can't touch. Moses' attitude there is the same as the Garden of Eden 3. I wouldn't have done what I did except yeah. for... Yeah, this woman you gave me. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Are you going to say something else? It says right here, Eli Rav Lach. That means it's too much for you. Okay, now we're in chapter 4. Someone want to read the first 14 verses? You going to do it? You want to do it, Alfonso? Well, okay, if you promise not to tell us what it really means in Hebrew. Okay, now what am I reading it for? I'm reading it from... From verse 4, 1 through 14. Okay. 
Now, now, O Israel, listen to the decrees and to the ordinances that I teach you to perform so that you may live and you will come and possess the land that Yahweh, the God of your forefathers, gives you. You shall not add to the word that I command you, nor shall you subtract from it to observe the commandments of Yahweh Elohecha, Elohim, that I command you. Your eyes have seen what Yahweh did at Bet Peor, a ba, a, with Bet Baal Peor. For every man that followed Baal Peor, Yahweh Elohim destroyed him bef- from your midst. But you who cling to Yahweh Elohim, you are all alive today. See, I have taught you the decrees and ordinances at Yahweh Elohim, as Yahweh Elohim has commanded me. So do in the midst of the land to which you have come to possess it. You shall safeguard and perform them, for it is your wisdom and discernment in the eyes of the peoples who who shall hear all the decrees and who shall say, Surely a wise and discerning people is this great nation, for which, which, for which is a great nation that has Elohim who is close to it. It is Yahweh Eloheinu. Whenever we call, whenever, whenever, wait, we call, is it, wait, whenever we call to him, and which is a great nation that has righteous decrees and ordinances, such as this entire Torah that I place before you this day, only beware for yourself and greatly beware for your soul, unless you forget the things that your eyes have beheld, unless you remove remove them from your heart all the days of your life and make them known to your children and to your children's children. The day that you stood before Yahweh Elohim at Horeb, at when Yahweh said to me, "Gather the people to me, and I shall hear. They shall, I shall let them hear my words, so they shall learn to fear me all the days that they live on the on the earth. They shall teach. They shall teach. They shall teach their children. Where, do I? Where do I go to? Fourteen. Okay." So you approached and stood at the foot of the mountain, and the mountain was burning with fire to the heart of heaven, darkness, cloud, and thick cloud. Yehovah spoke to you from the midst of the fire. You were hearing the sound of the words, but you were not seeing a likeness, only a sound. He told you of his covenant that he commanded you to observe the ten declarations, and he inscribed them on two stone tablets. Yehovah commanded me at the time to teach you the decrees and ordinances that you shall perform them in the land to which you cross to possess it. Okay. So this is, like I say, this is Moses is now getting wound up in his monologue here. Um, in verses 1 and 2, what specifically does Moses command the Israelites to do? Shema. Yeah. Shema what? He says, hear now, Israel, the decrees and laws I'm about to teach you, and follow them, right? So that you may live and may go in and take possession of the land. Uh, 
What else does he say in verse 2? Yep, yep. Don't modify it. Don't be adding to it. Don't be taken away from it. No Hebrew math. No new math. No new math. Right. So I have a comment. Sure. This thing is just law, statutes, Torah, law, statutes, Torah again, more law. It's, it's all about law. <laughs> right? Well, uh, well, I, I, that, that. I love that because that's yep. what I'm all about. Yep. Based on that. Yep. Well, where was there about pronunciation? I missed that part. What What do you mean pronunciation? Well, it wasn't anything about how you pronounce things. Oh, yeah. That. <laughs> how you pronounce all day long, name. it's talking about laws, statutes. Yeah. This is what you're going to do in front of the nations. They'll, yep. they'll say, why is this a great nation? Because of the laws and the statutes and the ordinance that they gave. Yep. Well, the the thing is, is where I thought you were going for a second was... Uh, if this book were to have nothing but, you know, that you should do this, you should do this, you should do this, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do this, it'd be pretty hard. But there's tons of story, tons of human content in there, and every bit of it supports that. Every bit of it helps you to understand what he meant when he said you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do that, you know? Dainu would have been enough. Dainu if it was said. just nothing other than law, it, it would have been enough. But he's got a lot more in there than just that. You're right. Well, I'm to understand the language that the law was written in is obviously important. Yep. And from that, you learn how to pronounce, you learn words, you learn how, they, how they're compounded and, you know, what their, their meanings are. Yep. I'm not disputing that. Yeah. But nowhere in that particular part anyway, and tell, show me where it says it's all about the pronunciation. <laughs> I agree with you. Anyway, I was going to say that I was going to say that um, that on this. What was I going to say? You forgot. Um, <laughs> no. Um, well, you know. Oh, I know. My the, the Rabbi Wasserman was talking last last Shabbos on the fact that why didn't Instead of starting at Bereshit, Bereshit, why didn't the why didn't they just start at that um, the Exodus? You know, <laughs> I, I mean, you know, so there was a midrash on that. You know, he's talking about a midrash on that, and he said it's because they had because because it has a lot more than just God delivering us all the time and God, you know, doing things for us. That, that it's a human story. It's it's the story of a whole, a whole thing. And the whole thing fits together. Right. It has to be a whole. It has to be the whole thing. Yeah, that's a good point. Versus Mark's got something. Uh, we're just looking at uh, one and two, but I was going to go on to three and four. But go ahead. You can, well, all I was going to say in verses, okay, in verses 3 and 4, it says, you saw with your own eyes what Yahweh did to Baal Peor. I'm sorry. Go for it. Okay. A um, couple things. Um, the law, I think, is the heart of the matter. Because yep. without the law, there's no righteousness. Yep. And righteousness comes from the law. Um 
thing about pronunciation kind of bugs me because the Hebrew language, I'm the thing about it. pronunciation kind of bugs me because the Hebrew language is a picture language. Yep. Every character has meaning. Yep. I think words are one of the most powerful things on earth. After all, he created everything with words. And I think if he pronounced them wrong, maybe some wrong things would pop up. That's that's okay. That could be. One of the things, you know, following, excuse me, one of the things that uh, I was thinking as you were talking is that words are extremely powerful, and they are, they allow us to communicate ideas and feelings, but they're very imprecise. There is a much better way to communicate. I don't know what it is. I mean, I can't really put my fingers on it. I can't grasp it. But it's got to do with knowing one another and knowing the situation that's being described. And when you try to capture a situation with all its feeling and all the stuff that goes with it in one word, it's bound to come up short. And that's part of the reason I'm convinced that the Torah is the way it is, is because there's so many of these ideas that kind of come together. And after a while, you know, as, as you're sitting there thinking about one thing, you can see how it applies in this story over here and this story over here and all of it comes together to make a better whole and the words are just a uh, kind of like the the frame in a house you know it kind of supports things but it's not uh, it's not it <laughs> but that i agree with my, what you're saying yeah my my point is some people think if i pronounce it just right like if i chant it just right yeah. good things will happen to oh, me oh yeah I don't have to study the meaning of the, what it's trying to tell me and the instructions yeah. that it's called. It's all, how do I pronounce it? Well, yeah, and worse and that, than that, it, worse than that, they say, and if you don't agree with me, I'm sorry, but I can't have fellowship with you. <laughs> <laughs> That's got to be a tool of the adversary, if you ask me. <laughs> Moving on to verse 3 and 4 there. I think, you know, he was waiting until 6. He's being patient. Unlike some people I know. Oh. Oh, thank you for listening to Jan. Verse 3 says, You saw with your own eyes what Yahweh did at Baal Peor. Yahweh your God destroyed from among you everyone who followed the Baal of Peor, but all of those of you who held fast to Yahweh your God are still alive today. What incident is this talking about? You know. Is that Phineas? What? You're right. But she's going to make it a lot longer. No, I'm not. Okay. Go ahead. What, when Pincus destroyed the, right. the thing? Okay. But the thing is, is... Um, yeah, I told you. Well, because he's saying the ones that are here didn't do it. Yeah. Well, they got, they got destroyed. Right. Yeah, they got run through with a spear. Or at least a couple so of you years. get to live. Yeah. You're right. I'm sorry. I'll quit. You're such a hard time. Well, but it wasn't just them. There was a big... There was a bunch of them. Right, because Aaron had to go out with his sensor To stop the plague. Stop the plague. Yeah. So the, the event they're talking about is when it's tied in with Balaam, right? When Balak hired Balaam to curse them, and he tried. And that's the funniest. That's got to be one of the funniest stories in the whole Bible about this guy paid him all this money to curse the Israelites, and all he does is bless them. But the, the end of the story is when he says to Balak, 
Well, if you really want to curse them, all you have to do is get them to sin against their God by worshiping other gods, which they did. And this is what it's referring to, the story of Pink and Jack. But it's uh, cool. I mean, it's just neat that that fits together. And then he says, you saw with your own eyes what he did, what God did. So these are... So why is he... Why is he pointing that particular? Because it was a huge event, or or you, you well, should remember that you were. It's well, he's talking to it because of he's saying, you know, the the two verses before that said you need to hear and obey the law. Then he says, remember what happened to those guys at Baal Peor? They didn't, and look what happened to them. So you need to learn to obey the law. Yeah, I would assume. That was event was near the end of the forty years. That this is yes. it dealt with this generation. That yes. this generation wasn't pure without sin. Yes, like and the first one definitely was. Yes, with, with with sin. With sin. Yes. No, that that's right because that event happened when they were busy up here. You know, they they'd long passed Edom and they were up there messing around with the Moabites and so it was just within the portion that we were just talking about. Well, and it was which was it, at the end of the forty years. And it was also right after where. The event where Moses was told not he couldn't go. Yep. Because that's chrono. It's yep. it's a chronological order. Yep. At least the, yeah. So let's see. Moving along in verse five, it says, "See, I have taught you decrees and laws as Yahweh my God commanded me, so that you may follow them in the land that you are entering to take possession of. Observe them carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear about these decrees and say." Surely this is a great nation, is wise and understanding people. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way that Yahweh our God is near us whenever we pray to him? And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I am setting before you today? That's, that's pretty cool stuff. Oh, yeah. That's, I, I even have it outlined here you know, in brackets and stuff. Yeah, I do too. So, you have a comment on that, I bet, Mark? I do. Good. So, I just want to draw our attention to verse 6. Says, so, keep them and do them, for that is your wisdom and understanding. We look at Isaiah eleven two. It says, the Spirit of the Lord will rest on the Messiah, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding. So, by doing the Torah... That is the Holy Spirit to you because it defines the Holy Spirit as wisdom and understanding. You want to know how to have the Holy Spirit upon you? It's telling you right here in verse 6. That's great. I like that. I, I haven't been keeping up with the uh, standalone all of the time, but there's one in this, in this verse, by the way. Okay. Uh, hold on. Which you shall hear, Yishmeun, which is, I'm sure, Shema, et all the statues, Hachukim. So it's between the hearing of the... The hear and do. The hearing of the of the statutes is the standalone Olive Okay. Okay. Uh, verse 6. Mm-hmm. So I... You know, this is we're we're a priest unto the nations, right? Yeah. Israel is a priest unto the nations, yeah. and that's who he's talking about here. Yeah. The the nations are going to look at us, and if we're doing a good job, Yahweh is going to be glorified, and and things will go well. Yeah. When we don't, 
It's not going to go well. That's right. Well, here's a thought, though. Whenever, if, uh, if the nation is doing well, if we're listening, you know, we're understanding, we're uh, learning the laws, we're obeying the laws, we're doing the best we can to keep the laws, uh, and the nations look at us, and they may say in their heart, uh, surely this is a great and wise, uh, great nation and a wise and understanding people. But oftentimes, they don't say that verbally, nor do they act like it. Instead, they kind of act maybe a little jealous, a little uh, irritated. Well, uh, Is that a fair thought? Well, like the Jews, for example. The Jews, the last 2,000 years, most of those, that didn't go well for them. No. And they will definitely point that out to you. Yeah. <laughs> but here's my, my thing. The two houses, we're not in peace. Israel is not in peace. That's true. Because there are two houses. Yeah, we're separate, yeah. Yep. Boy, right. you're so, right. You're right. You, you, we can't go around saying, look at how awesome we have our house in order when we don't. Yes. Fair point. Very good point. So it's no wonder that things have been this way. Yeah. That's... So it goes on in verse 8. It says, oh, no, we did that. I'm sorry. What other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I'm setting before you today? And if you think about that, that's true. It's so true. Mm-hmm. I mean, because there's nothing, there's no God. I mean, there's nothing, there's no other God but God. But there's nothing that, that is like the Torah. No. There's nothing like it. That's right. Because God is righteous yep. in everything he does. Yep, I agree. It's just so incredible. That there's nothing that comes anywhere close. It just makes you want to cry. Yeah. <laughs> to piggyback yeah. off of what John, well, I forgot what John was saying. The two houses? No. Um, yeah, the two houses. And I think there's going to be that turmoil until the two houses are brought together. I think it's going to get worse and worse, don't you, John? Well, I mean, yeah, yeah unless yeah, they get back together, because we're going to be. I think, I think be... movement in that direction is occurring. Yeah, yeah, it is, but. <laughs> well, there's some resistance. God's in control. Well, let's see. I had you read through First Corinthians 14, so we can go some more. Verse nine says, "Only be careful and watch yourselves closely, so that you do not forget the things that your eyes have seen, or let them slip from your heart." As long as you live, teach them to your children and to their children after them. Remember the day that you stood before Yahweh, your God, at Horeb, when he said to me, Assemble the people before me to hear my words so that they may learn to revere me as long as they live in the land and may teach them to their children. You came near and stood at the foot of the mountain while it blazed with fire to the very heavens with black clouds and deep darkness. Then Yahweh spoke to you out of the fire. You heard the sound of words but saw no form. There was only a voice. He declared to you his covenant, the ten words which he commanded you to follow and then wrote them on two stone tablets. And Yahweh directed me at that time to teach you the decrees and laws you are to follow in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. Do you remember that... uh, that time that they were at Mount Horeb 
or Mount Sinai. And God said, have the people, he said, have them. Uh, assemble at the bottom. Yeah, but he said, you know, spend a couple days getting yourself clean, pure, and then assemble at the bottom. Don't touch the mountain because you'll die. And then he came down. Do you remember? Do you remember that? Remember sure. what happened? He said the ten words. That's what it says here. But what did the people do? You go, Moses. <laughs> they, they they were scared to death, right? They were scared to death. And that's what they did. They died in the desert, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mark's got some. I just go ahead. Didn't, uh, Go ahead. I don't want to talk about the, the generations. Hmm? You teach them to your children and your children's. These words, you teach them to your children's and your children's children. So if somebody comes knocking on your door from the government school, and they happen to be a school that isn't teaching these things, then I'm sorry, but my strongly held religious beliefs and convictions convict me to teach them here, and so I have to do that. Hmm? I can't let you do that because you're, you're telling me to violate my, my, my faith. That's a fair point. Okay. I like that point. If you can make things into a religious argument with the state, you will do well. That's good advice. <laughs> Two things back up in verse 9. It says, uh, to give heed. So we have Shemor, keep watch. Okay. And then it says, and keep Hashemer, again, watch, your nefesh, Diligently, it actually is me'od, like very well. You know how uh, in Hebrew the me'od means very well? So it's we're supposed to watch and preserve ourselves and watch our soul very well. And don't forget the things that we're learning. And then it, in verse 13 it says, uh, he wrote... Uh, the ten words on the two tablets of stone. Do you think he wrote the ten words on one stone and the same ten words on the other stone so that there would be two witnesses against us? Uh, I do. I also think that's why you have two copies of a contract. Yep. 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 Does it actually say words? Where, what verse no, is that? Uh, it's that's verse thirteen. Uh, I was I was reading out of the nearly inspired version, which I sometimes. Well, you might be right. Devarim, that's words. Right. So that's, that's you're right, Devarim. It, yeah. But that's interesting from a contractual point of view, right? I can lay down a contract and it just has words on it. Until you say, yes, I'm going to do that, right? Now they're commandments. They don't become commandments until there's an agreement between the parties. Fair point. That's good. So it's yeah. interesting. The two tablets of stone, is the thought that they're the same on both tablets? That's, uh, we don't have proof of that, but that makes sense. That makes sense to me. Like I said, for two reasons. First of all, two witnesses. Second of all, a contract has usually got two copies. One copy for one party and one copy for the other party. The Israelites were one party and God was the other party. And both of those contracts would have been kept in the same place because the ark was where both parties had access, right? God, God knew what was in that ark. That was his stuff. And the Israelites knew who 
you know, what was in that ark. That was the Levite's responsibility. I, I see what you're saying, but then on the other hand, then the other person should have got a copy of the contract. We did. Which other person? You mean the, the Israelites? Yes. They did. They, it's, so it's they in, took a copy with them? Yeah. As a matter of fact, they took it with them wherever they went. I thought, I thought they stayed together. The two copies stayed together, yes. Well, my point was is that by having them together, it, it's kind of a, uh, you want to say, an unusual argument because it also shows that God was with the people. Okay. God, Hon- honestly, I'm not sure at all, but neither I. I, I had thought at one time and thinking about why was there two, couldn't he have fitted everything on one, I thought maybe because you have the first and greatest commandment to love Yahuwah with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength and i thought maybe those were written on one and the other is like unto it to love your neighbor as yourself well, you know that was my thing well, no, there's not a thing I wrong with that totally wrong well I have so no could clue. i <laughs> yeah so it's not and then as john was saying earlier it's not the kind of thing that we ought to go to the mat on so it's it's not a big deal it kind of it's kind of a fun thing to think about being two copies but i've often thought about what you've said because it's been pointed out to me that the first five have to do with our relationship with God. The second five have to do with our relationship with fellow man. Yeah. Okay. Well, in any case, they. So you could be right. Yeah. So the 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 midrash, the midrash by Mel Brooks was they had fifteen originally. Remember, you dropped one, and so they all said, "Well, let's just go with ten. <laughs> go ahead. They, yeah. Well, you know, when you read the Ten Commandments, the Ten Words, there's not much there. Well, like, uh, you know, a, a good number of them are two words. You know, yeah. Low murder. I don't know what murder is. You know, <laughs> but the thing is, is they're just real, real short little things. So it very well could have been, since it was written on front and back, on the front of it, of one of them, was the love your neighbor, on the back was, uh, yeah, and so it was copied because it does say it was written on the front and back. So here you have the one copy, front and back. One's des- yeah. So one one's designating uh, how like separated, like you're talking about. The other one's a, a copy uh, of it, front and back. And so again, keeping up with what God says, you must have two witnesses. And so because he's he's declaring that, and he always keeps his word. Uh, we we kind of had always come to the conclusion that uh, there was probably those the, the two were for the copies. Yeah. That's cool. I like all this stuff. Let's see. Where else were we? Well, we'll be reading the commandments in the next chapter, right? Yep. yep. Oh, I know one thing I was going to say because it's referring back to the people that were all cleaned up standing around at the foot of the mountain when God came down and spoke the words, and it says, go ahead, John. Uh, I didn't want to interrupt your thought. but Well, I'll just say, it says they heard a sound like a blowing trumpet, right? A blaring trumpet, and it got louder and louder and louder. And they hit the deck, right? And they were scared, and they told Moses, you know, you go do this for us. You be our representative, and whatever he says, we will do. You know, if you go back and read that, let's see, we can even find out where. But go ahead. Well, my point is, we, we always look at the commandments as what we're supposed to do. But there's other commandments as well. 
Yahweh has commandments. Okay. Possess the land. I'm going to give you this land. I, I'm, it's not an option for me to, let you, to not let you have this land that I'm going to promise you yeah. for your possession, for your inheritance. If you do the commandments, I will do my commandments, which is to, to uh, assist you in taking the land, and, it lets, and you will have this land as your inheritance, as a possession. The commandments go both ways. What yeah, I'm trying to say. Well, that's and as, as a covenant should, right? Well, yeah. Otherwise, it doesn't. It's not a valid contract. If only one person's giving, yeah, and the other one's not, it's not going to work. Yeah, it's not a contract yeah. by definition. Here's what you guys are looking for: as a Shemoth, chapter twenty, verse eighteen, and all the people saw the thunders, the lightning flashes the sound of the ram's horn and the mountain smoking. And the people saw it and they trembled and stood at a distance and said to Moshe, you happy, Lisa? (laughs) You speak with us and we hear, but let not Elohim speak with us lest we die. Moshe said to the people, do not fear for Elohim has come to prove you and in order that his reverence be before you so that you do not sin. So yeah, so the people stood at a distance, but Moshe you near the dense cloud where Elohim was. Yep. Yep. I think that's neat. That whole thing there then in uh, Exodus chapter 19 and 20 or whatever it is there is, uh, boy, it's dramatic. Do you know what I, I noticed when I was reading um, the last part of the, this past week? Um, it, that... The animals, he said not even the animals could go around the mountain. Mm-hmm. He said don't even let the animals come around. I just think that's interesting because well, it was protection, I'm sure, for the animals. Yeah. So they no, didn't get they, they didn't, smoked. They didn't but. get fried, whatever. <laughs> okay, let's see. <laughs> we got we got a few more minutes. I think I'd like to I'm going to read the next section from verse 15 down to verse 31. Then we'll talk about that and that ought to kind of finish this up. But verse 15 says, "You saw no form of any kind the day Yahweh spoke to you at Horeb out of the fire. Therefore watch yourselves very carefully." so that you do not become corrupt and make for yourselves an idol, an image of any shape, whether formed like a man or a woman, or like any animal on earth, or any bird that flies in the air, or like any creature that moves along the ground, or any fish in the waters below. And when you look up to the sky and see the sun, the moon, and the stars, all the heavenly array, do not be enticed to bowing down to them and worshiping things that Yahweh your God has apportioned to all the nations under heaven. But as for you, Yahweh took you and brought you out of the iron smelting furnace, out of Egypt, to be the people of his inheritance as you now are. Yahweh was angry with me because of you, and he solemnly swore that I would not cross the Jordan and enter the good land that Yahweh your God is giving you as your inheritance. I will die in this land. I will not cross the Jordan, but you are about to cross over and take possession of that good land. Be careful not to forget the covenant 
Yahweh your God that he made with you. Do not make for yourselves an idol in the form of anything Yahweh your God has forbidden. For Yahweh your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. After you have had children and grandchildren and have lived in the land a long time, if you then become corrupt and make any kind of idol, doing evil in the eyes of Yahweh your God and provoking him to anger, I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you this day that you will quickly perish from the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. You will not live there long, but will certainly be destroyed. Yahweh will scatter you among the peoples, and only a few of you will survive among the nations to which Yahweh will drive you. There you will worship man-made gods of wood and stone, which cannot see or hear or eat or smell. But if from there you seek Yahweh with your God, you will find him if you look for him with all your heart and with all your soul. And when you are in distress and all these things have happened to you, then in later days you will return to Yahweh your God and obey him. Yahweh your God is a merciful God. He will not abandon or destroy you or forget the covenant with your forefathers, which he confirmed to them by oath. Doesn't get any better than that. We got a question or a comment over here. The thing that's so interesting about that to me is how incredibly prophetic it is. I always, I always find it interesting that it says that, well, not they don't see nor hear, but the part I find interesting that it says eat or smell. Yeah, that's kind of, that jumped out at me too. So I'm wondering, does Yahuwah smell? Does he eat? Good point. I know he likes yeah. good yeah. scents. Yeah. yeah. Smells. Yeah. Good point. But eat? Yeah. Does he? he I sure, wonder. He sure likes I, to I'd run. like to hopefully sit down and eat with him one day if he yep. does. <laughs> Me too. So he says, this was one of the things that stood out to me, what you said. So he says uh, several times in here, Numbers 28.2, Command the sons of Israel and say to them, You shall be careful to present my offering, my food for my offerings by fire. So yes, he a lot of times it says that that fire that they burnt the offerings was a consuming fire, which is why the sheen has the teeth to eat. So yes, he, he's eating that offering on the fire. It's his food. He says, they're going to present my food. Yeah. And remember when, uh, was it uh, Samson's parents, they were uh, building the fire for him, and then he went into the flames of the fire up in it? Yeah, so, and then the angel, the, the angels came down to Sodom and Gomorrah, and they were eating with Abraham. Well, yeah, he wants to break bread with us, literally. Yeah, yeah. That's why he's got the table out, right? Yeah. For all the all the stuff. Well, you know, one of the things that, of course, uh, this this is the start as he's starting to go through the commandments, the ten words again. Uh, but one of the things that's interesting is, like like we know, Israel's done almost all of this, right? Well, it has. It's done all of it. And uh, yet, the, the, the last line there, 
It says, uh, For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not abandon or destroy you or forget the covenant of your forefathers, which he confirmed by them on oath. What verse is that? That's the very last one, verse uh, 31. You know, maybe this is a picky thing in my head. But, you know, I don't really like pictures of what they say is Yeshua because I think that that's kind of like we're not supposed to make an image of him. We don't really know what he looked like. Yeah. You mean he's not a surfer dude? No. He doesn't have blonde hair. We don't know what he looks like. We don't know like. what he looks weird. like. I have no idea. And I just think sometimes it's almost like we're wrong to... To make pictures but, uh, you, of him. You can make that argument, I think. Go ahead. Marvin's got something. If you take 416 and look at it, he talks about making any figure the likeness of male or female, so it's not only limited to Yeshua. Yep. Yep. Yep, that's a very good point. In other words, don't be... Like a queen of heaven thing or something? Well, yeah, I, I, you know, when you think about it, well, certainly that, when you think about it, the only thing God has really given us that we can picture are, are real strange things like pillars of fire, clouds, smoke. Maybe a burning bush, but I don't know if I go too far with that one. But I guess my point is, is he's he's very careful not to give us anything that we could, and and for good reason. He knows where it leads. Right. Okay, I think we'll we started early, so we can finish early. Are there any final comments or anything you guys want to talk about before we go? I got Deuteronomy books if you want to work through them. Like I say, they were about. They're $10 each. And if you can afford it, great. If you can't, you can just take one. Is it getting interesting, Charlie? I like that. I like that. These books. What, what we do here, you know, we read through a passage at a time, and this is to work through it beforehand. Some people do that. Some people actually read it beforehand and answer the questions. These are questions, and... and we basically just go through and talk about the question. Okay. Well, that's all right. You can, you can owe me. That's fine. Oh, yeah, that's right. Any other final thoughts? I'll close in prayer. Father God, thank you. Thank you for your book of Deuteronomy. Thank you for your whole Torah, of course. Um, thanks for the fact that it just really comes alive. And uh, we're just beginning, but we can... We can sense the emotion that uh, Moses has. And in Moses' emotion, we can sense the way you feel for us just a little bit. I ask that you watch over us this week. Help us to think about you often. Think about these things. Think about your Torah. Keep us safe until we meet together next week. In Yeshua's name, amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jerry.